On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Otherwise, it's South Korea that's been on the front foot. Can Australia finish the half? It's a Spring in my pants. Yeah, definitely spring in the pants. In fact, he came in with legs in the air. It was yep. that springy today. Yep. Unbelievable pogoing from the great Carlos Alberto yep. Diego. Hello, Carlos. Yeah, I'm a little bit happy. <laughs> a little bit happy, half. A little bit. Yeah, well. You pogoed him without your of legs. Course, of course, we've been, me and you, mm-hmm. as a team, as a copped team. heaps. Yeah. Copped more than Ange Postacoglu. My word, Because Ange doesn't get the text messages and the talk back for six months. <laughs> he just doesn't read the papers. But uh, we, we were there at the coalface and we kept on saying, have faith, have faith. Ange will get it right. Ange will get it right. And really... Um, even they, the loss against Korea in that uh, in that third group game, I uh, still felt we were the better side. And uh, our, uh, probably our down game was the, the semi, a little bit down in that we went 2-0 up against yeah, UAE. Well, and went we on did what we had to do but and just shut, shut Absolutely. The so really, he didn't miss a beat, really, for the whole tournament. So how much did he get it right and no. uh, prove the doubters wrong? Oh, I think what you should be doing, and I'll try and do it, but it's hard to reach all that way across the desk, is pat yourself on the back <laughs> because you've been nothing but supportive of the program put in place by Mr. Postacoglu. He's Mr. Postacoglu now mm. after his performance. Uh, because you knew what was coming. You saw the plan. You could see what he was doing, shaping this group to achieve something like they did on Saturday night. We knew that the World Cup was going to be difficult. We all understood that. And then possibly wouldn't be progression through to the second round. In fact, we knew it probably wouldn't happen with the group we were in. Yep. But we felt that there was more to it. And you particularly led that uh, crusade. And I think uh, people need to acknowledge your belief in what happened or what was happening. And you were vindicated on Saturday night just as much as Mr. So Foster how will they acknowledge it? You can post money maybe? Uh, well, yes, uh, 473 Swan Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, it was almost a perfect storm. And people talked about the risk he was taken by not, you know, almost bowing at the altar of the so-called golden generation that were hanging on. I'm talking about the Mark Swartz's, Lucas Neal's, yep. uh, Luke, uh, uh, Brett Holman's and these sort of guys. Uh, he, they, they walked away from the, oh, Luke, Lucas was never going to be picked. 
he was tried out for a bit, but he wasn't going to be picked. And I think he just went quiet. I don't think he's officially retired. But Mark Swartz retired. Brett Holman retired. Luke Wilkshire wasn't picked. Now, for him to get the buy-in that he needed, you know, in that game, in that final, where every player, uh, once they conceded the equalising goal at the depth in the 90th oh, minute and they went into extra time, it, you needed belief there. You needed belief that this bloke who's talking to me, yelling at me right now, the coach, uh, knows what he's talking about and everything he's been harping on about uh, since day one. Uh, I need to believe what he's saying. And being so young, being in a, being so determined to create history in their own right, because these guys have heard over and over again that they're not the golden generation, mm-hmm. that, that they're, no, they're nowhere near the golden generation. And so the incentive for them to go off and, uh, and with their coach, do what they did in that injury time where they're completely outplayed career. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tommy Urich falling to the ground uh, and not looking for the penalty, just getting up and then nutmegging a bloke at the byline and then 100%. crossing it over with, uh, with Troisi. Uh, and, and even, uh, I think, Davidson was up there. You know, they were all in there waiting to get that winning goal. Uh, you got to. It's this perfect storm of uh, of the right players, the right coach, uh, them buying into what he said, uh, the pattern of play, uh, all the other stuff that uh, that goes into preparing the way the team's going to play. It all came together, and of course, in front of your own crowd, it's what we hoped for. Yep. Uh, during the, the worst times during those practice matches, those friendly games were going really badly, and people were really jumping off. They jumped off. Certainly jumped off. They had no faith in what Ange was doing, and and we were getting criticised too about you know backing him, uh, you know, and and doing what they did. What a fantastic achievement! The game itself, Carlos. On Monday when we we're talking about it, we got a lot of criticism uh, of the game. It's the quality of the game itself. But I think in tournament play in these type of situations, that often it's not the best game for the for the whole journey of, of the tournament. It's because there's so much on the line and, and there is that expectation that you've come this far, you've got to win it now. It's not just about mm. going through to the next phase. It's all on the line. So often you get games, and AFL Grand Final is no different. Often you get games where it's not the best game for the final series or the, the season, but it's the most important one. And you're sitting there on the edge of your seat. And that was, I reckon that was this game mm. on Saturday night. It certainly wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't the best quality of, of the whole tournament. But it didn't matter because the contest was so brutal. Well, that's what, I was gonna, what Australians love is a contest. And that's why people in Melbourne go to the MCG and pack it out with, for any any sporting event that's out there if it's a contest. Mm. And, uh, and that's what it was. I mean... You know, I remember watching the game on, on Saturday night and, and looked up at the clock at 38 minutes. Where would that 38 minutes go? It was just a scrap the whole time in that first 38 minutes. And then in that last seven minutes, until Australia scored the goal right at the death there in that first half, uh, last seven minutes, career took over. And it was all about us. How, how will our defence hold up to this? And uh, Mille Yadinak was enormous. The back four were enormous. Uh, Matty Ryan had very little to do, by the way. I mean, this is the thing. People kept on saying how much... Korea were all over us, but it stopped at the back four. Matty mm. Ryan hardly had a save to make. Now, when Korea did that to us in the third game of the uh, of the group stage, where they just sat back and we created six clear-cut chances, everyone w- w- was marvelling at how Korea defended. Uh, and they decided to sit back and park the bus. We Our, our much maligned back, back line suddenly stood up. And, and our defensive midfield, look, Mark Milligan was enormous. Millie Yednack was fantastic too. So um, our problem at different times was keeping possession of the ball when we, when we were winning it back. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. the Koreans were pressurising us all over the ground and we just didn't have the composure. That's where we need to improve in the future. But, geez, what a starting point <laughs> we've got now. 
to, to fix that before Russia 2018. Well, the question leading into the tournament after the World Cup and after the, the friendlies, Carlos, in preparation for this was whether or not our defensive unit could work together. And Ange talks a lot about, and, and we hear it in most sports these days, team defence and mm. everyone being a part of that defensive unit. But it ends up a lot of the time falling on the shoulders of the back four in the setup that Ange uses. And they'd shown some frailties and there were different personnel being used throughout that time in the lead up to the Asian Cup. But uh, their performance throughout it, particularly mm. those two guys in the middle of the yep. defence, Baranovic and, um, Sainsbury. and Sainsbury, it was just fantastic. Yeah, and and we found ourselves two players. I mean, we always knew Matty Sparanovic had it in him. Uh, as an 18-year-old, we've talked about him debuting in the Bundesliga against Bayern Munich, you know, playing in cup finals and stuff mm. like that in Germany. This guy always had it. But he's 26 now. He's sort of lost his way. But now he's regained it by coming back to Australia, resurrecting his career, and now uh, now playing so brilliantly for Australia. At 26, he'll get picked up by an overseas club again. Sainsbury's going back to Holland, and his mid, mid-range uh, Eredivisie club, Zoll, uh, they're going to have a hard time holding on to him. Yep. Because people would have seen the way he plays, and uh, he's he's almost your modern type of defender. Not only very very good in the tackle, very aggressive, got some speed about him, but also can uh, use the ball too. Creative, yeah. And, and he scored. And he actually, you know, assisted uh, Luongo for that first goal. So uh, these are modern defenders, and we've got two of the right age in the middle of our defence, and that's not even uh, counting the likes of C- Curtis Good, who's trying to you know get back on the track. Uh, you know, at the moment with his long-term injuries. and So we've got four or five of those type of defenders with the right age. So we're not going to have that problem at all in the middle mm. of defence again. We've got good goalkeepers, good goalkeeper backup, good depth there. Uh, the full backs, we've got Bayich and Davidson on the left and there's going to be some other young kids coming through, no doubt, putting pressure there on the right. Franich, even Milligan when he went back there was a fantastic... He just Oh, Mark isn't Milligan. he a fantastic player? You know, early in his career, I, I, I had problems liking him. Uh, in that uh, I just didn't see what he brought to the team, and that's because I didn't see him all the time. But, gee, since he's got to victory and I see him week in, week out, now with the Socceroos where he's got a bit of leadership about him, geez, he was fantastic in this tournament. He's a beauty. Uh, and uh, victory, will, uh, I know they're paying him you know, fair whack uh, to stay, as uh, I think is, is the Australian marquee. Okay. But, uh, you know, he, he's going to be in great demand overseas, even though he's, he's a, he's, if he's not 30, he's pretty close to 30. Age is no barrier these days. We no. know that with Timmy. We'll talk mm. about that as well uh, mm. through the journey. If you want to get uh, involved in the conversation after the break, do so 9429-1116. There's a hell of a lot of ang- angles we need to cover. And that's just on Saturday night before we start looking at the current situation with the A-League, the big derby on Saturday night. And uh, Carlos has had a lot of people talking to him this week. Mm. And, I, and the lay person who... Watched the final and watches the Socceroos when they're on the box in big games. Saw the victory on the weekend. They asked a question, Carlos. I know. A lot of the ones you don't, that you I've don't usually go to, there. Football people don't go there. No, we don't question. go there. No. But, but, I'm, but you need to answer it for those that yeah. aren't quite into the game up to the speed that you are. I have the depth of understanding. And they'll be sitting themselves, some of them, saying, well, why can't we? Mm. I'll ask you that question through the air as well. <laughs> Carlos is with us, uh, celebrating, basking in the glory of the Socceroos' <laughs> performance, and uh, the open lines are heating up. 9.429, 11.16, they want to talk to Carlos. We've got plenty to talk about, but we know that uh, you guys and gals want to get involved as well. Flavio's an East Keel, to kick it off. G'day, Flavio. G'day, Carlos. G'day, gentlemen. How are you this afternoon? We're going well. Very well, thanks. Good on you. Carlos. Couple of things regarding the Socceroo. Ange, I was confident from day one when he's been appointed. And uh, for me, the best game that we played in um, Asia is when we lost 1 0 against South Korea. Mm. 
Okay, it was a brilliant yeah. game. We didn't deserve to lose, but then again, victory, champion, mates, bonus, etc. But he's got a, a long way to go, and I'm very confident that he's going to get there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another thing regarding, um, sorry, I'm out of the line. Um, Musket, Melbourne Victory. Yep. He's costing Melbourne Victory, all right, top of the league because his substitute is not right. What the hell is thinking about it when he subs? Um, I'm not really confident with names. Yep. And the left midfielder that he's um, got a long, a long surname. No, he keeps sub him all the time. Three one against Perth. Okay. Mm. He sub him. Yep. And we nearly lost the game. Yep. Right. But Flavio, with with subs and uh, and and you know. What 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 coaches do off the bench? There's a lot of stuff that that are, that's that only the team knows about, you know, the, the, and the players and the coach know about that we don't know about. Pre-planned. Yeah, well, that's one thing. Uh, also, uh, how Situation. how yeah, a guy might be coming back from injury, and you've only you know budgeted for so much time. You might be on for 60 minutes. You're going to take him off because that's the first game back or whatever it may be. There might yeah. be some injury issues. There might be a disciplinary issue with a player not following instructions. There's stuff that we don't know about. Um, you know, the, what was really clear for me, when everything was going really well and we knew a lot about the team, the way Ange Postacoglu, every sub I think he made through the tournament, from, from the first game to the last, I don't think I've ever seen the Australian side that had so much value that was contributed by the sub that came on. I mean, Troisi scored in the final. Uh, Tommy Urich made that goal. Yeah. I mean, this and, and from the first game to the last game, every time he made a sub, the sub came on and actually added to the team. And so... I, but that was just one where we sort of there were no issues. We sort of knew a lot about the team. I'm really reluctant to, to have a crack at a coach about substitutions when you don't know why he's made them. There, there could be a million reasons why. Uh, to us, standing in the you know standing in the in the crowd or watching it on TV, we're thinking, why did he make that sub? Why is he off? I mean, Timmy Cale coming off, for example, with yep. Tommy Urich during that yep. game. I said, why is he coming off? Because. Okay. Yeah, but we didn't know he had a, a an ankle injury. Mm. Uh, so this is the thing: we don't know. And uh, and probably needs an explanation from Muskie in his post. I mean, it's up to the journos to ask him those questions so that he can answer it. Three one. I watched that game, the Perth Melbourne game. Three one up with fifteen to go. Yeah. You, you win that game. Mm. You just win that game. So it had nothing to do with the subs. Uh, they were poor defensively. They coughed the ball up and they got beat. No, they, yep. they sorry, they they tied the game three yep. all. Uh, well, we'll see what Muskie's got for us up his sleeve uh, this weekend in the Derby. He'll be under enormous pressure as well against Melbourne City, who are in hot form. More on that later. Thank you, Flavio. John's in Mooney Ponds. G'day, John. Hi, guys. How are we? Good, mate. Uh, look, now that it's all settled and uh, we're gearing up for the uh, qualifiers, I just I still see that there's a lot of people on social media saying that we're getting carried away. Australian football supporters will be the last ones to be... We'll be the last ones to get carried away. We we know where we stand in in a world of football. It just it just frustrates me, you know. This, and going back to what you said, Carlos, about you know the belief in the last fourteen months. There's so many so-called Australian experts um, that think they know what they're talking about. Yet, because Andrew's Australian, no one believed in him. So it just it, it, it's very hypocritical. If if, if it had a a Brazilian or a Portuguese coach or anyone that knows anything about youth setups or has the, um, I guess, the, uh, the the credibility, we would be, uh, you know, we would it would be like a Bible to us. Yeah. Because it's an Australian, which is, and uh, 
you know, I think this is what Ange has said, that, you know, it, well, I want to get rid of the stereotype that we're inferior. We, we, obviously, we know we're not top-shelf stuff, but, you know, it's time to start believing in our own product and, into, in, and believe in our own ability. And just one other thing um, regards uh, the golden generation, I guess, past players. There was a lot of things said, positive, negative, prior to the tournament and, prior, uh, and for the last 12 to 14 months. I'm not trying to be smart, but uh, has there been any positive uh, comments made by former Golden Generation players regards the last, uh, well, regards Saturday night? It's not a bad point, that, John. I've, yeah. I've thought about that since Saturday night. We haven't heard from, uh, and this not necessarily haven't been, they have been asked. I'm not quite sure what the situation is, but I haven't heard Mark Schwartz come out and say anything about what happened Saturday night. I haven't heard Lucas Neal no. interviewed and say how wonderful it was. I haven't heard that sort of stuff from those guys that seemed to be pushed out when Andy got the job, pushed out of the, of the side colours to a degree, or told that yeah. you just weren't going to play. I'm not sure what the situation was, but uh, I haven't heard from those guys that were such a big part of the of the landscape for soccer in Australia for, for so long. Yeah, well, look, I heard from Brett Emerton, but he was the ambassador for the Asian Cup, so he's always got to come out he's and say things. Say but yeah. the ironic thing is Lucas Neal was also an ambassador for the Asian Cup, and he, he was hardly quoted. I don't think he was quoted at all. Uh, I didn't read anything that he'd said. So, uh, look, you know, I'm sure when these guys made their debut... Uh, for the Australian side, previous Socceroos encouraged them publicly, encouraged them privately. I don't know, uh, so I'm not going to guess, I don't know whether Mark Swartz or Lucas Neal and that have had uh, a positive, uh, you know, have wished the best to this team at all, whether publicly or privately. Uh, we haven't heard it publicly, that's for sure. And yep. after uh, Mark Swartz has had a bit to say over the time, rightly and wrongly, you know, he's, he's had a bit to say about what's wrong. Uh, with the league and what's wrong with the, you know, the, the Socceroos and the resilience of our players who want to come back too early from overseas, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Some of it's right, some of it's wrong. Uh, you'd think that he, he'd maybe call a press conference or do something, tell one of his media mates who have been quoting him uh, over the years to say, listen, make sure that Australia here that I am absolutely so excited about the fact this young team's did, done what they've done. Uh, because, by the way, it was the likes of Mark Schwarzer and Lucas Neal and Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka that actually were the heroes of these guys. No doubt. And, and, you know, the legacy they left from 2006, we should never, ever forget. We should never forget. We hear Matt Ryan talk about yeah. playing with Tim Cale after yeah. the game, one of the interviews after the game, and how excited he is just to be in the same room, let alone the same team, playing yeah. on the pitch with, with Tim Cale. So they're the ones that did inspire these, these current crop yeah. of, of stars, or future superstars, mm. hopefully. To, to do what they do. Yeah, I mean, they played as big a part in winning that than them playing on the field, for me. Uh, but you can't keep on playing forever. Yep. And if Ange hadn't done what he'd done, guys like Luongo would still be sitting on the bench, on the fringe, this and that. You would never have known Luongo was going to be the player of the tournament, you know, 12 months ago. You did. Well, you take you guesses and knew. stuff. No, no. I, you I wouldn't, I outed yourself with as all the only Luongo fan on the planet. Yeah, yeah it's true. And but all I, of a sudden, we've all jumped on board. As much as I am uh, the Nostradamus of uh, world football, I didn't pick that he was going to become the player of the tournament. No, he didn't say <laughs> that, but you <laughs> had enormous faith in this young man. Yeah, you but were... the thing is, I mean, these guys, Matty Ryan would never have got a gig if Holger Osik was still manager and Mark Swartz was his goalkeeper. Matty Ryan would still be the second or third goalkeeper. And look at Matty Ryan now. Uh, I think he's even stepped up further from the time uh, mm. than previously. So, uh, yeah, it, it is disappointing that we haven't heard that. But I think you'll find in time when they're over there hurt 
and the fact that they've probably uh, been denied this chance to do something in front of their own uh, family and friends here in Australia, they'll come back to the fold and they'll have something positive to add to Australian football. I'm sure of it. Uh, 28 to 2, more calls after the break. Plenty of other discussion points for Carlos, Alberto, and Diego talking the world game on half time. We'll continue to do so after this. Carlos, Alberto, Diego is with us talking the world game. Uh, overjoyed from the weekend's performance by the Socceroos, as were we all. Brendan on the road wants to talk about uh, the Socceroos, I think. G'day, Brendan. How are you doing? How are you, Daniel? First of all, I want to say well done to the Roos and Ange. And also yourself, half. I love your work, but I've got a bone to pick with you. Oh, no, what have I done? The, the gentleman you spoke to on Monday from Herald Sun, Matt somebody? Matty Winley, yes. Matty Winley. Now, I'll just quickly describe when Matt Urich got into the box, he tried to give it to Alan, uh, not Alan, <laughs> Jason Davidson, but the keeper got his hand to it and uh, Tracy put it away. And for Matt to suggest that Urich was having a shot, what a pillock. <laughs> he'll be listening. He'll be hearing this, Brendan. So this, this will go direct to Matt. Uh, he'll be listening. I'll get some feedback shortly. But uh, that's what he thought. We all thought different things. Like with uh, the Robbie Cruz yellow car, people thought it was for simulation. Yes. Oh, I was onto it early. Yes. It was for the big cook he gave him with the verbal spray. Surely that's not why you rang up, though, Brendan. Or is it? It must have been. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's okay. Matty Winley will be listening. He yep. thought Yurich uh, was having a shot. I said no. I said that's rubbish. Yep. I'm not sure it was meant for Troisi. Maybe for somebody else. I could. I didn't know who that was. He was suggesting that it was Jason Davidson at the back post. But yeah. In football, uh, you call it cross-come shot. Cross-come shot. Cross-come shot. Uh, I tell you, what, the, the most forward player in that whole play, other than Yurich himself, was basically by the byline, was Jason Davidson. He's a left fullback. How much did he want to get a well, second one? Well, he scored one? in the, yeah. it was the semi, the semi wasn't yeah. yeah, so yeah. how much was he looking to get a second? But uh, but it was so good. There was no fear by our players. They had the numbers in the box. I think uh, I think we had two players. Oh, look, I, I'm just trying to think about how everyone was positioned, but I think we had two players. They had two players. At that time of the game, yeah, sometimes you, you play for pen, penalties because you're scared or you, you play fearful football. Our boys were in there looking to win, and that's direct message and uh, that culture that Ange Postacoglu has really instilled inside. We go out to win. Well, that's what I loved about his substitutions, Carlos. We were talking about that before with um, with the Socceroosum with the victory from one of our other calls, Flavio, I think it was. Uh, the the fact that he put on Nurich and Troisi, when he could have solidified the, the midfield or the defence, pushed numbers back to just mm. block it up and take it to penalties and just roll the dice a bit, he's, he's put on two blokes that yeah. are attacking players and, and can score. So I th- I love that fact when those two guys came on. He said, righto, yep. we're going to win this. I'm not yep. just going to go and try and save it or or make it a draw and see what happens. We're going to try and win it. Now, yep. they didn't plan on the 92nd minute equaliser, clearly, but the fact that they had those two players put on yep. gave them a competitive advantage if they got the ball into the forward third. And also... Tommy Urich is a, is a you know they buff he's a very skillful player don't get me wrong but he's he's a buffeting type of player he scares the living daylights out of especially a lot of the Asian defenders that were playing in the Asian Champions League so the way we were playing we were winning the ball back from the Koreans in our last line of defence we were defending very very well but our next pass was either being you know closed down by a Korean or our, or our second next pass was being closed by a Korean. So what we were finding is sometimes we were just kicking the ball forward because we're under so much yeah. pressure. Suddenly in those situations, you need a big man who will run everything down, that's aggressive. The, that's the Faduka role, absolutely, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The V-bomber. But Tommy Urich has got the young man's legs. He's 23. He doesn't know how to get tied. doesn't know how not, not to be competitive. Not 60-second minute, mate. Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. You know? But uh, – but, 
he wants to win the ball. He wants to win the game off his own boot. And you need that sort of player in that situation where it's just kick forward and it's a foot race, and you're against three defenders, and you you know you've got enough faith in yourself, you're going to make something happen. And the number of bad decisions he made, by the way, when suddenly he's got the ball and he's gone for goals himself when other people are in a better position, he probably did that two or three times. Yep. But you've got to stick with a player like that because suddenly he produces what he did with that shot come cross where he's beaten two defenders by the uh, by, uh, by the uh, corner flag almost and uh, and just nutmegged one of them. Uh, it was all physical. He went to the ground, yeah. stood up again, uh, then... Had a shot, well, had a shot cross or whatever. Matt, Matty said it was a sh- uh, shot. Uh, our caller said it was a, a cross. But um, but you need those sort of players in those situations that want to do it on their own sometimes. And that's what happened. I'll tell you one bloke who I reckon, Carlos, my limited knowledge of the game, one bloke who does that too often and needs to go back the other <laughs> way, a bit more vision to see what else is going on, is Matthew Leckie. He, uh, needs, he needs to start to just dish the ball off a bit. He had a, he had a game of heavy touches. Uh, heavy touches all over the place. Oh, look, he was probably the hardest worker in the Australian side across the whole tournament. Yeah, I thought his work rate was phenomenal. But I thought his touch at times. I don't know. It, look, he did make a. He did make mention before the tournament how um, special it was going to be playing in front of his family and friends, yep. who don't get to see him playing in the Bundesliga every week. And I think that had a lot to do with it. But you know. At 23, I'll off. back him. Yeah, I'll back him. Oh, I think I'll he, back him. No doubt, he's a really good yeah. player. He'll be a soccer yeah. for a long, long time. Dish it yeah. off, young yeah. fella. Yep. Yeah. Dish it off. Nick's in Hillside. Good day, Nick. Boys, how are we? Good, good, mate. First thing um, with the soccer is winning, of course, on the weekends. Uh, fantastic for the football in this country. I think the the real uh, test will be when they play uh, Germany in the forthcoming game. Um, and just looking at it in the balance. Um, I still think there's a few weaknesses in that Australian side that need to be looked at. And uh, one that stood out for me in terms of uh, positioning would be Franich. If he's the best right-back we've got in this country, we've got serious problems. Yeah, well, there's Chris Hurd also. Uh, Nick, there's Chris Hurd who was injured, unfortunately. Who's a, I was, I've been impressed by uh, Chris. Yep. And I'm sure there's other young kids coming back. I mean, there's, there's a kid, 18-year-old kid in Sydney, Gerbeck, who I love. Very composed. He's a left back. Who did he play for? Sydney, Sydney FC. FC. Great yeah. player. Really great player. Yes, a young guy. Terrific on the ball. Aggressive. Uh, he's only 18. So these, there's got to be these kids coming through. I've got no issue about that. Um, and, and Nick, you know, uh, Ange did say, uh, not necessarily after the game, because he wanted to make sure all these guys got all the accolades, but he has say, said in the past that what you see today might not be anywhere near the team you see in the Russia Russia 2018 World Cup because there's going to be other players coming through. Yeah. Some of these players aren't going to be up to it. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned the World Cup. One of the things that I've been coming across from people that have were captivated by the Socceroos journey through the Asian Cup that traditionally haven't been fans of, of the game at all, Carlos, but you really enjoyed this ride and enjoyed the moment Saturday night, is, well, they say, well, because I haven't seen much soccer. Yeah. Well, why can't we do this in the World Cup? Yeah. Why can't we win a World Cup? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a okay. question that's being floated around by the... By those who are perhaps less uh, informed yeah. uh, through the sporting journey. Yeah, but, and they're used to Australians winning World Cups yeah, in other sports. We win cricket World Cups. And I, I got World that Cups. so much on the Sunday and Monday, talking with friends and, and people, again, people who, are, who aren't close followers of football, but they just were so wrapped up into it and they're so excited about these players. And they say, well, you know, why, why aren't we talking about winning a World Cup? You know, why can't we win a World Cup? And why don't, don't football people ever talk about winning a World Cup? What's your answer to them, Carlos? Well, 
it's I know it's a very uh, difficult concept to get your head around, but it's all about having really, really world, you know great players, you know, and we have got great players at their stage of their career. But to win a World Cup, you have to have some of the world's greatest players. And so that means it's, it's a bit of a long-term plan. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, Greece had a really fantastic collective when they won the Euros yep. uh, in 2004. And, uh, and also Denmark winning the but again, Euros. But that's still just the Euros, isn't it? Yeah, it was, well, the Euros is still a very good... People say sometimes the, the European Championships are a stronger competition than the World Cup because every team's a great team. There's no, there's no sort of teams that have to be picked from different confederations. No, Brazil and the Euros. Come no, on, but no. still, I know, you miss out on the Brazils and the Argentinas Argentina. of this world. But, uh, but the Euros are probably, from, for, from a football perspective, probably the best you know, high-quality tournament out of all of them. And, uh, and you, um, you know, you, uh, Denmark uh, in the 90s won the, um, uh, the European Championship with a team that was just a really great team. But other than those two teams, uh, every team that's ever won a major international tournament has been uh, a team full of world stars. Now, mm. we clearly don't... It doesn't matter how positive I am or how optimistic I am, I cannot say with a straight face we've got world stars in this squad. So that means it's a long-term project. And the long-term project starts from not only having a fantastic grassroots uh, strategy uh, and really investing a lot in the grassroots, but also somehow switching the kids on to being addicted to the game. That's when they're going to get out and play in the backyard and the mum and dad's going to call them late at night to come in because, (laughs) you know, this whole thing that you've got to be addicted to the game so much that you're going to be practising day and night and no one can pull you away from the ball. So that's one thing that uh, we need to somehow instill in our kids. Until we do that, we'll have good teams that might get through the, to the knockout stages, uh, but I can't see us winning a World Cup until we develop those world-class players. All right, 13 to 2. We'll move on from the Socceroos after the break because the A-League uh, is very, very important this, this weekend for the two Melbourne teams. Vitti t- victory take on City, not the Vitti. Victory take on City Saturday night at the Etihad Stadium in the Derby. It's going to be big. We'll talk about it after this. Carlos with us. He'll be back again tonight uh, with the boys on the Fort Diego's. Back from 11 from tonight. From 11 tonight, 11 to yes. 12 tonight. Late night football radio. Can't get enough. Hot topic? A hot topic for us? Uh, well, that'll be a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very Which means secretive. the subtext there is we haven't Not thought about it yet. Sure but it'll yet. be something to do with Australia winning a World Cup, probably, or but, something like that. Well, you've got a few hours to work it out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Between the four of you, you'll come up with something. <laughs> now, Carlos, uh, before we get on to the derby this weekend, which will be very exciting, Tim Cale's moved to China. Uh, can you believe what you heard yesterday? Yeah, 9. I can, 6. because... because when they're offering uh, with with incentives and bonuses, nine point six million or ten million Australian dollars, uh, it's all about you know in his you know twilight of his career now. It's been, he's been the twilight for a bit, but now he's in the last couple of years. Twilighting for many years, absolutely, now. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's all about just really cementing your life after football if he hasn't done it already. And also, <laughs> I'd be disappointed if he hasn't done that. I'd, I'd have a, qu- uh, a couple of questions to his accountant if he hasn't, <laughs> but uh, or his agent. Uh, the uh, the big push. From what I hear, other than the football aspect of it, is his uh, his um, activities outside of football. His he has a clothing is... range, yeah, clothing range okay. that uh, he feels that the Asian market obviously is a huge market in that respect. Well, there's lots of them. And uh, his big thing, and you can tell this from his tweets if you're following him on Twitter during the Asian Cup. Every time he sent something out, he had hashtag Asian Cup 2015, then hashtag. Timmy Kale's Football Academy. Yeah, yeah, the academy. So the yeah. academy stuff was coming through very strongly. Yep. And he really wants to make that almost a, 
you know, a, a really big program in every country he's, he's played in. So Australia, well, he hasn't played in Australia, but, um, you know, he's a young kid, but he's got an interest in Australia, yeah. America, China, name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, England. So he wants to make that the biggest thing when he finishes football, you know, basically getting the kids involved in his academy. Tell me, Carlos, the derby on uh, Saturday night, victory in City. All of a sudden, City have stood wow. up and said, hey, hey, we are ready to rock and roll. Uh, and still no Josh Kennedy at this stage, mm. but they're sitting sixth and comfortably sixth, uh, four points ahead of Brisbane, who are seventh. Victory in third, uh, equal on points with Adelaide, who are second. But all of a sudden, this other team in town has said, hey, look at us. They were so disappointing before the Asian Cup break when they lost against Central Coast Mariners. I thought it was a really soft effort up there. I know it was hot and everything, but Central Coast just came to play and uh, City didn't. But, geez, on the weekend, there was some, a real uh, surety to their football. Their, their ball circulation, uh, they, I mean, their passing from player to player and switching the direction of play was so... Um, it was so uh, certain about what they were doing. I think that 10 days they spent over in uh, Abu Dhabi really brought it together. And, geez, I like Aaron Moy in midfield, and I really like Jacob Melling. Those, I mean, talk He's about a kids. young boy, isn't he? Yeah, 18, 19-year-old 18, kid. Jeez, oh, I like that kid. And, uh, and this is what I'm saying. So a guy like Moy just knocking on the door of the Asian Cup um, yep. you know, beforehand and didn't get it, didn't get in. Suddenly he'll be looked at against Germany. Jacob Melling could jump out of the ground in the next 12 months or 18 months or so, and suddenly he'd be in the in the mix too. What a talent he is. And uh, and I think it's going to be a great derby, because they always are. Do you think uh, Eddie had Stadium, on the back of the success last week, do you think this could be the biggest crowd we've seen? Uh, and, and City sort of being up and about as well? Yeah, look, you know, I thought there would have been, or maybe it was a bit of a hangover after Saturday night, but I was disappointed with the crowd on, on Sunday. Sunday. Uh, look, I don't know what... It, it didn't look big. But I don't know. It didn't, I haven't got a figure or anything, but it didn't look huge. Uh, and that was a Melbourne City game uh, against um, West, Sydney. Uh, West Sydney Wanderers. Yep. Uh, I would think you'd get a big crowd anyway, but it, you might get a few of the uh, people who were converted from Saturday night turning up too. So I know Ian Robson talked about on SEN uh, having a tribute to the Asian Cup, so that would be terrific. Ange Postacoglu's going to turn up, so he's got his own fan club of probably... You know, half a million people that want to probably go and see him too. So uh, I, I expect a big crowd anyway, but uh, maybe a few more will turn up because of the Asian Cup. 27 goals scored in round 15 of the A-League. That's 5.4 goals per game, Carlos. Yeah, Pimver Bakes say that's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> it means that defences aren't any good, the standard of play is bad. For us, we just love it and just take it for what it is. But you get these so-called experts that we paid a lot of money to saying that that's not good for the game. Of course, it's good for the game. What about Takahaji's uh, first five minutes of his time at West Sydney? That uh, that goal he scored, yeah, terrific, ridiculous, and he gets stuck into the, the our little Japanese friend and the sumo celebration. Yeah, yeah, I love that yeah, sort no, of stuff. I love, yeah, a strange sense of humour. You love it already. He's been here twenty four hours, no, a bit longer than twenty four hours, but he's already getting stuck into it, which is great. Four minutes fifty three scores <laughs> in his career with West Sydney Wanderers. A great performance, but not good enough against Melbourne City with Melling and Moy getting the job done. Two one for them as they prepare for the big game against the victory. Eddie has Stadium Saturday night for the Melbourne Derby. Back shortly. Righto, Carlos. More from 11 with the 4 Diego's. But to who wins the Derby, I need you to tell a half-time listener, not just Diego listener. It's a draw. What? Draw. What sort of draw? Uh, it'll be two all. Exciting. Plenty of goals. Pim Verbeek won't be happy. <laughs> two goals uh, each. And it'll be a great game. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that. That's this Saturday night and all the action from 7 uh, on SEN2. Ed White, Jonathan Howcroft calling the Melbourne Derby from Etihad. Carlos, it's been a great weekend. It's been a great week to rejoice in the celebrations of the Socceroos. Great to chat to you. See you soon. Thanks, Art.